0: everybody needs
1: your love. Well good morning everyone and welcome to another OCC Sunday Online. I'm so glad that you're with us otherwise it would just be me John and Ben and Vicky having a a nice time together but we're here we're able to gather together online to worship Jesus and and I count this as a real privilege you know we can sometimes take so much for granted. Uh, Today's the International Day of Prayer and uh, we'll be explaining a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later, and I think John will be bringing some of those elements into his message this morning. Um, but, you know, we've got brothers and sisters uh, gathered around the globe today who are with us, and we get the opportunity to pray for, but also allow their situation and circumstance to just to really speak something into our, our circumstances and, uh, and get to see life from their perspective and uh, we're gonna to begin though by singing a, a, and joining in with a kid one of the kids songs our God is a great big God and uh, and just wherever you are uh, allow the words and the actions whatever whether you want to take part in the actions or not but I'll certainly allow the words to, to lift your heart and, and and eyes towards the one who reigns over all the kids uh, this is your opportunity to, to dance around do the actions and and just have some fun together so thanks i <música> How i wish you could see us trying to do those actions uh, in our various locations it is uh, it's something to behold i hope that that song just able enabled you to get a, a glimpse of just the majesty and the power and the splendor of the one in who we we worship and um and this today it's an act of worship whether it's singing a song that's, that's geared towards the kids or entering into some of the more adult worship that we're about to engage in through song this this today is our Offering of worship uh, through this medium and means. So I'm going to hand over to Ben and Vicky, who are just going to lead us uh, in the next few minutes. Thanks.
0: this morning, wherever you're sat, if you're eating breakfast in bed or if you've you've managed to get up this morning and you're in front of a computer or a screen, there is power in the name of Jesus. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether it's a whisper or a shout, speak the name of our Saviour in the place where you're at. To you, and I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, Joe, where my help comes from. Give me wisdom to know just what to do. My mm-hmm. Of your sin, and He is alive. He is enough. Jesus broke the chains. His love has won. He conquered the grave. He bore the cross at the price of your sin, and He is alive. So death could not win. cross at the price of your yourself. sin
1: great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and your glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power and your awe-inspiring act and I will declare your your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Father, I thank you that today we've been able in song in this moment to, to declare together, together in, our, in, the, in the privacy of our own homes, but um, with our families and friends, may be gathered. Lord, we, we thank you that we get to uh, declare of your splendor and your majesty and your power and your grace, Lord, the generations that are represented within our church, Lord, we get to pass on the story of your wonderful acts. Lord, we're part of a grand story that you're working out according to your purposes. And we, in this moment, this day, this hour, this generation get to play our part. May we be the kind of people who pass on the stories of your great acts. Lord, we thank you today that we can trust you, that you rule and reign over all things. As Lord, as we continue with our service today, may we be mindful of your presence with us and your call for us to participate with you in your great story. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben and Vicky, for leading us just so well and sensitively. There's, um, there's just a couple of things that I, I need to let you know about before I hand over to John, who's uh, going to be uh, continuing the series in, in Philippines this morning. Um, if any of you have any pastoral needs, then please uh, do speak to one of your Connect Group leaders now it, or your Connect Group leader. If you're not in a Connect Group, then please, can I just encourage you to get into a Connect Group? Um, these these are just they're not just an add on to the life of our church. These are a vital part of, of who we are as OCC it's the way of where we do discipleship community and mission together and so please could I just encourage you to get involved in a connect group if you're not already um, if you are then you'll no doubt know the benefit of being connected with others and uh, it's the really the first port of call for some of the pastoral needs but we do have uh, Sue who's well, on, uh, serving as one of the pastoral workers and able to connect with you and journey with you for through some of those maybe more challenging moments in life. So please uh, email pastoral.occ-stratford.org.uk. Um, thanks for those of you also that have, have joined this week online, whether it's text or online or in other ways, um, as we uh, took a day to pray and fast for our nation. That was on on Friday. Um, this evening, though, we're we also going to be joining with others uh, the International Day of Prayer at 7:30. You can sign up by register by and register by going to the the link there that's on the on the screen. Um, Can I just encourage you to to do so? It'd be great to just see as many of us connecting in with that. This is a this is a wider than Elam event. This is a a, a, an international day of prayer for the persecuted church who gathering with others across the globe. Um, if you want to know some more about the persecuted church, though, there are there are some organisations that specifically work with this, and you can look at Open Doors or CSW, and they'll they'll get, have a stack of information that you can you can pray intelligently for uh, the persecuted church. Um, but that's 7:30 p.m. tonight. Um, if you if you've not signed up to the newsletter, uh, then can I encourage you to do so? Um, uh, the, I think there'll be a, a moment pop up at hopefully. Uh, on the, on the screen there. If not, you can contact uh, John or, or Sue or the, um, uh, the, one of the other admin addresses uh, for OCC. I think it's admin at uh, OCC-stratford.org.uk and uh, you can request uh, a link to get signed up for that. Um, but if, and if you do sign up for it, can I just really encourage you to open it and read what's going on? Um, it's a, a great way just to stay connected. And I think other than that, there's just one final video for us to, a video to watch before I hand over to John um, this, this, uh, this morning. So I think Phil, if you could press play on that video, that'd be great. It's
2: beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I don't know if you've noticed, but the lights are up in our town. Uh, The chill is in the air. Christmas is just around the corner. But you know what I'm going to miss so much about this year? That we cannot be together for our annual nativity service, where we see us all come together and the kids dress up and even the adults dress up. And we have a little competition Uh, and some of that dressing up is a little bit obscure. I think uh, Abraham will go down in uh, Christmas history for OCC. I didn't know where to look that year. Uh, But we're going to invite you this year, even though we can't be together. To still get dressed up, we're still going to have some fun. We're not going to let the restrictions stop us from having some fun. So we are asking you to get dressed up and submit your photos by the 7th of December, Monday the 7th of December. Submit your photos to us, and we're going to put them up online and allow everybody to vote. So our online nativity service this year, we can announce the winner of the best dressed, fancy dress OCC Christmas competition 2020. So don't miss out. Get dressed up, whether it's. crazy reindeer ears or some funky christmas jumpers or whether you've got some great ideas about how you can obscure link things into the nativity get dressed up young and old and everyone in between let's have some fun this christmas and we will announce that at our nativity uh, online service in december have some fun brilliant
1: so uh, everyone, get your photos in. That will be amazing this morning. Uh, I don't know whether anybody spotted the, the mistake there, but get your photos submitted. Uh, let's engage with some fun together uh, as we lead up to Christmas. I think that's it. Other than to say thank you so much for your generosity over the course of the last few months. In fact, not just over the last few months. This is a church that's known for its generosity. And so there's an opportunity for if you, as if part of a giving and worship, Uh, is to is to continue to give into the life and ministry of the church. Um, So that's popped up there on the screen. But John, it's over for you.
2: Great. Thanks, Ian. So good to be together and be able to uh, worship and gather around God's word. And that's what we're going to do right now. So grab yourself a Bible. We're working our way through verse by verse through the book of Philippians. We've no idea how long we're going to spend there. Um, We're just going to see how long it takes and just work through it verse by verse. So grab yourself a Bible. We're still in Philippians 1. Uh, And this is Paul's letter of joy, uh, which is amazing when we understand that it was written while Paul was in prison. Uh, probably in Rome although we're not 100% sure of that but it's likely to have been at Rome so there's 61 AD somewhere around there 62 AD uh, and for Paul this prison is not like you might think uh, nothing has been provided for him there and um, he wasn't fed everything he got was given to him from the outside about those who cared for him brought things in and one of those groups who cared is the church in Philippi and they've sent a man called Apophroditus to them and he's given things to Paul and he's now come back with this letter that we call Philippians to the church in Philippi. Um, And it seems from this letter that circumstances were not deterring Paul from experiencing joy. uh, As Ian said last week, it's a little tweet. If I was on Twitter, I would have tweeted it. uh, Tweeted it that he is locked, uh, locked in, but he's not got a locked down perspective. Um, That he is, he is experiencing joy at a deep level, and it's throughout this letter. And I wonder whether there's some stuff in here for us today, um, as we experience what we're going through in life, just to have some joy that goes beyond happiness, that is deep rooted and permeates through everything we do. So we're going to dive in. We've uh, explored verses one to eleven, so hopefully we'll get through twelve to around verse 18 this morning we'll see where we finish and and how time allows but let me read to you right now uh, and if you want a title for this morning it is life through a lens life through a lens so buckle your seatbelts because it's been a challenge for me this week the, these words from Paul uh, and so uh, I pray that God will speak to, to us this morning verse 12 which says this now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defence of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking they may cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we uh, can hear your words directly into our lives right now. Uh, And so I ask that you would do what only your spirit can do, which is take my preparation and uh, my thoughts, but let them be your thoughts and what is of you will stay and get deep down into our heart and meet, meet each one of us right where we're at. And Lord, the rest will dissolve. So God, will you speak this morning as we open our ears and open our hearts to hear your word? Amen. Amen. I want to start by talking about peregrine falcons. Um, that's where I want to start this morning. A strange name for a bird, but an absolutely amazing bird. I was watching a documentary recently about peregrine falcons, and uh, I didn't realise this, but they are the fastest animal on earth. They reach speeds of over two hundred mile an hour. And uh, this this documentary uh, was uh, following bird handler Lloyd Buck, um, who took one of his peregrine falcons, Moses, to the Lake District, and they attached a GPS device to the bird and they wanted to track its flight while it was catching prey and how good its eyesight was while it was looking for prey so what they did was they had one man stood up on the hillside with Moses and Lloyd went about a kilometer away and he trained uh, Moses to catch a little yellow tennis ball so uh, Lloyd was down in the valley a kilometer away throwing this ball in the air and the other man holding Moses took the hood off Moses And he shot off down the valley after this tennis ball. He spotted it straight away and flew down the valley and caught this tennis ball. So then they tried it at two kilometers. They doubled the distance. Man still stood on the mountainside and Lloyd went two kilometers away, throwing the ball in the air. Again, they took the hood off Moses's head and he saw the ball straight away from two kilometers away and just shot off down the valley. Third time, they tried it at three kilometers. They thought this is probably at the the distance that it's debatable whether he'll be able to see it or not. And they removed the hood. Now, what you saw on the first two attempts was that Moses used both eyes and looked straight down the valley. But this time he he tilted his head to the side and he looked through one eye straight down the valley. He took off and he circled above the man on the mountainside and then shot off down the valley. And at three kilometres, one point eight miles, he could see a small tennis ball and he caught it down the valley three kilometres away. So why, why do I tell you this? Why are we talking about peregrine falcons? Well, they've got amazing eyesight. I mean, to be able to see a small tennis ball three kilometres away, that's impressive. But they're able to do that, not only because they have huge eyes, but they actually look at the world in two different ways, which is what I learned from this documentary, that they have two ways of seeing the world, that they can look with both eyes, binocular vision, and use both eyes and see things that are close up, like one, two kilometres away. But then when it got to three kilometres away, Moses turned his head and he had monocular vision, almost like a telescope where he looked through one eye straight down the valley and could see that ball from three kilometres away. Two ways of seeing the world. I wonder how you see the world. Almost like what lens do you look through to see the world? As you see what's going on in your life and on the, in the world around you, what lens are you looking through? Different ways of seeing the world, maybe more than two. Maybe more than the way a peregrine falcon actually sees the world. Maybe we look through the lens of future hopes, building our life towards just reaching those hopes and dreams. Maybe we live from the impact of past hurts. Maybe your lens is the eternal optimist. Maybe it's not. Maybe your lens is worries of what others will think of you. Maybe your lens is focused on what can make my life better and the life of people around me better. And we can improve things. We all look through a lens to see life and just like the peregrine falcon depending on how we look at the world it will determine what we actually see Now to link this up i think this is something of what paul is getting into in this part of his letter as he writes to the church in philippi i think he's grappling with what lens are you living life through So far we've seen this letter from Paul it fits the conventions of a standard letter of the day many letters from this period have been found and just like we have rules about letter writing well we did when we wrote letters we do emails and texts now but when I was at school back in the day you were taught how to write a letter and it was the the sender the person you're sending it to their address goes top right then your address a little bit further down on the left then the date and then dear sir or madam and you were taught the rules of letter writing well it was the same in, in Paul's day and this is a real letter to real people in a real time and place and it's written with the conventions of the day often they would start typically with an introduction or a greeting we have that in verse one and two and then the writer would give the recipient a bit of a, a an update or, or a thanks on their continued support and, and and thanking them for for what they've done in their life we have that in verses 11 uh, three to 11 then letters from this period have been found and they then seem to sort of transition into the meat of the letter and often in these letters the, the transition point is when the writer says i want you to know that." And that's exactly what we have here with Paul. He says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that. So now we're getting into the meat. Now we're getting into the crux of this letter. And he's going to he's going to sum up in these next few verses, I believe, until the end of chapter one. Actually, what the whole of this letter about, if you can get what is in these next verses, then you will get the whole of Philippians. And he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that. Now, traditionally, someone would tell an update on their circumstances, how they were doing. Look at what Paul focuses on Verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Paul is saying, I'm looking through a lens. And what is that lens? Maybe it's the lens of the gospel. And he says, what's happened to me has advanced the gospel. So my question immediately is, so, Paul, what has happened to you? Well, we know that right now he's in prison. And that's not pleasant for Paul. But we also know this isn't Paul's only hardship. In fact, in earlier letters, and we can read in 1 Corinthians 4, we get something of the biography from Paul about what he's been through. Check this out from verse nine. It says, for it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. Like those condemned to die in arena, we've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as human beings. The picture here is of like captives uh, after war. They're being taken through their town and paraded through that this triumphant team of, of have beaten them and it says in verse 10 we are false for christ but you are so wise in christ we are weak but you are strong you are honored we are dishonored to this very hour we go hungry and thirsty we are in rags we are brutally treated we are homeless we work hard with our hands we when we are cursed we bless when we are persecuted we endure it when we slander we answer kindly those are verses that are needed in our world aren't they when we have become sorry we have become the scum of the earth the garbage of the world right up to this moment Wow, I mean, that's slightly different to this letter of joy from Paul, isn't it? But this is the reality for him. This is what life has been like for Paul and continues to be like for Paul. Condemned to die, weak, dishonored, hungry, thirsty, brutally treated, homeless, scum of the earth, garbage of the world. Paul is suffering. He has suffered. He's been beaten with rods. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned. He's been put in prison. How do you think Paul might be tempted to see the world? What's the lens that you think Paul might actually be tempted to look at the world based on his current circumstances? Not just current, but consistent circumstances. God, where are you? What, why is life so hard for me and it seems so easy for everybody else? What have I done to deserve this? Actually, the lens that he looks through is now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. In this moment, we see that Paul has said there is a powerful lens that you can look through to see the world. It's not a woe is me lens. It's not a God blesses those he loves with really good things. And those who experience bad must have done something to displease God. It's not the lens that says God is good and I'm happy and I get what I want. The lens that Paul is looking through is the lens of the gospel. What has happened to me is actually advanced the gospel. And Paul has found this powerful lens in which to view the world through and it doesn't place him at the center of his circumstances his world does not revolve around how he feels and what he wants instead it focuses on jesus the story of god working in and through humanity to reclaim a broken relationship ultimately by stepping in himself in jesus giving himself in our place those who then who accept what jesus has done who he is and what he has done in being born in living a sinless life in going to the cross in dying but not staying dead three days later he rises again and then he ascends to the father and one day he will return and his kingdom will fully come and all things will be made new that when we see that gospel when we hear that gospel suddenly there is a lens that we can look through that sees everything that goes on in the world And it says Jesus has confirmed and secured what he has done for us now and for eternity. And Paul is saying, whatever I go through, if that story is advancing, if I can look through the lens that that story is being advanced and taking ground, come on, whatever happens to me, come on, that is that is advancing. In fact, the word advance here is a a vivid picture of uh, an army uh, going through and, and the engineers going before the army and clearing the way, paving the way, cutting back the trees, anything that gets in the way, the engineers move so the army can advance. And Paul is saying that his suffering, although for him, it's stopping him being all he wants to be. He's like a sportsman on a bench with a career threatening injury. He cannot be and cannot do what he wants to do. But in his suffering, what he's been through, good or bad, God is advancing his story and he is turning it for good. Now, I know as I say those words for some who are watching right now, life has been and continues to be really, really hard. And I'm not trying to give you a magic cure that solves the hurt and the pain that you've been through. I'm not saying that whatever has been done to you or you've been through doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, uh, that, that, that it can make it all feel better and feel great. And those things you can look back on and be like, it wasn't that bad after all. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And Paul isn't saying that. Paul is 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 not saying that that this is this is something he finds easy he's saying I can do it but not that it's easy and it takes an intentional mind shift like Moses that falcon as he tilts his head to look through one eye and shift how he sees the world Paul's saying this is this is a deliberate thing I am looking not at what's going on around me I am looking at whether this gospel this story of Jesus is advancing and taking ground it's a deliberate shift it takes focus And when we've looked at the world through one way for so much of our life, to shift lens, to look through the lens of the gospel is not easy. But when we do, when Paul does, it means through good or bad. Jesus can and will and does use our experiences to see his kingdom come, to see the story of who he is and what he has done impact those around you. Sometimes the very things we want removed is what God is willing to use. That even in the most painful and agonizing of situations where circumstances seem unfair, unjust, confusing, painful, even in those places, God can show up. They are not removed from who God is and what God can do. He can work in and through them. They're not immune to God. And he can use that moment and show up and be in that moment. It's like the life of Joseph, the son of uh, Jacob, who was sold by his brothers into slavery. You can read the story in uh, the tail end of Genesis. Eventually, when he's reunited with his brothers, Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20, he says, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. See, Paul has faith in in the God that works this way. Paul can say, God, you, you don't work in spite of our circumstances. You work through our circumstances That for some, they mean evil, but God can and does and will use it for good. And sometimes the good that God works, we get to experience and we get to see ourselves. For Paul, look at this in verse 13. We see that he's getting to see the direct impact of what God is doing in and through his circumstances. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually advanced the gospel. Then verse 13, he says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Paul can see that he might be contained. Circumstances are not what he wants it to be, but actually he's getting an opportunity. And he's seeing that people that may never have heard this gospel are now seeing it in and through him. He understands that people are watching. For Paul, his imprisonment means that the Imperial Guard, this group of elite soldiers appointed by Caesar himself, they're watching him. And to all the others who come in contact with him, they see him. They know why he's there. And in the midst of his greatest trial, they get to see the reality of his faith. The substance of what he speaks about, what he shares, is it really worth believing in? Not is this faith going to give you your best life ever, but is this faith real when the reality of life hits, when the rubber hits the road? Churches, we're going through for what is many a great struggle. Maybe this last year is just another thing on top of a million and one other things people around us are watching. The the cynical, the quizzical, the questioners, those who really don't seem to care, they're watching whether our faith is simply words or whether it's a lifestyle that we live. If our faith has substance when it really counts, in your workplace, when things aren't going the way you want them to, in your life with your friends and your family, When they see and hear about what you're experiencing, your responses, your reactions, they are seen and they speak about whether the faith we have is really all we claim it to be. And for Paul, his faith is a God who is working for good and he sees it. He sees this imperial guard are getting to hear the gospel. But I want to say sometimes we may never see or know the impact. The good we believe God is working may go unknown for a lifetime. As Ian said, today is the day of prayer for the persecuted church. Some 260 million people across our world are facing persecution, exclusion, isolation, violence, even death, because they believe what many of us who are watching this also believe. One in eight Christians today worldwide face persecution for following Jesus. And although in some parts of the world amazingly we can say that where persecution is increasing of the of the church the church also grows that is amazing that we can see that and we can see the good that God is doing through that and they might might be tempted to think Joseph's story yeah God can work this for good but others they see no breakthrough they see no end to the torture they hear Joseph's story and think not me not in this lifetime some of them actually maybe give up on their faith and it's lost But for others, with no apparent change or improvement, they keep going. No good to them, they keep going. These are the ones that inspire me. Like like the Christian women that I met in the Democratic Republic of Congo a number of years ago, who have been abused by men whose own children are a constant reminder of the hurt that they've experienced, and yet they love them deeply. There's no end for them. There's no end for some of these persecuted Christians in the world that live in the same world that we live in, the same time that we live in. Life will not suddenly be made good in their eyes. They will live with a very real threat that it could happen again. And oftentimes it does for those women in the DRC. They have no stories that will blow you away about how God has worked through their situation to see thousands come to faith. But in their struggle, God is there. As they love those who many would reject, God is still there. And as they spoke to me about their experiences and they still have a soft heart towards Jesus, I'm inspired by them about who Jesus really is. I'm humbled when I feel like life is hard for me and God has forsaken me. I I think of those women and what they've been through and I'm reminded who God is and who he says he is in his word no matter what I'm experiencing and that spurs me on. They don't get to stop and think if God is working in and through what they've been through. Life's too hard for them to have thoughts like that. But for me, I I can see and I'm convinced because I'm the good that that God is working and it's spurring me on that even out of what they've been through, God is spurring me on. And as I tell you, my prayer is that it will spur you on and who knows who's listening to this and what good God might work through that because of what they've been through and what can change to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and an end to the abuse and the horrible things that happen to people across our world. Who knows the good that God can bring. But are those women experiencing that? Do they get the privilege of the good that comes from their experiences? Do they get the the self-satisfaction that the gospel is advancing because of their circumstances? No, no. They have to have faith. Oh God, help me to have faith like that. To trust that, God, you can and do work work good into every single circumstance, whether I see it or experience it or not. Whether I know it or not, let your story, who you are, what you've done, be seen more and more and more. Paul gets it because that's how he looks at life through that lens of the gospel. And Paul has been letting his life speak Jesus to the guards. And not only that, verse 14, it says, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Paul is restricted from being out there physically doing what he wants to do. He is being stopped. The work that we do uh, for God may not look like we want it to. Paul wanted to be out there in the world sharing with Jesus. Instead, he's in this prison. Yeah, he's sharing it with the prison guards and others, but he wants to be out there. But he could see that his life was inspiring others. Paul did not look through the lens of his wants and his needs, his ministry the way he wanted it. His life was strengthening others. They were doing what he longed to do, but that's okay because it's about the gospel. It's not about me. And Paul is living this and it changed how he views everything and how he experiences everything. And suddenly everything comes into focus. Even the circumstances and the situations that are against him, him wanting to be who he wanted to be. It's okay because God can work in and through where I am right now to see his gospel advance. Even the people that are out there that are against him. Just look at verse 15. This is where I want to draw things to a close this morning. We've just seen that verse 14, Paul has shared about those that have been strengthened by his imprisonment. But he's going to speak about the reality that oftentimes in life we've got good and bad running parallel alongside each other. I don't know if that's the same for you, but it certainly is for me. And look at this. He's got uh, it says in verse uh, 15, I think it is, to be sure, uh, to be sure some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defence of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Paul is saying there are these two groups. One group is for him, and they're saying that him being in prison is a defence of the gospel. But then in verse 17, there's another group that's described as proclaiming Christ out selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that will cause him trouble. Two groups, one group are for him and the other group are against him. But do you notice something in that passage, Paul says of both groups, they're proclaiming Christ. Paul says those who are for me are proclaiming Christ. Those who are against me, they're proclaiming Christ. Yeah, one group is against me, but I've learned to look through a different lens. It is not about me it is about the advancement of the gospel no doubt some of the readers of this letter uh, fall in philippi fall into one of these two camps some maybe disagreed with paul because of his liberal view on grace that it was available to all that that, that his message was that these gentiles that were coming into this faith that had come out of uh, of, uh, of judaism and, and the jews that actually you don't need to be circumcised you don't need to become a jew to follow jesus And some didn't like that. I'm saying, yeah, no, you you do need to be. And there was this clash. Maybe it's those that are opposing Paul. No no matter what the opposition is, Paul is saying it doesn't matter if they're opposing me. They're still proclaiming Christ. And Paul just matter of factly presents that some are for him and some are against him. Doesn't seek to undermine them. He doesn't seek to belittle them. In fact, in verse 18, look at what he says in verse 18. Just read it. He says, what does it matter? Maybe you need to say that out loud right now. What does it matter? matter? What does it matter if I'm being squeezed even more? What does it matter if I'm being blind? What does it matter if people don't agree with me? What does it matter? Only that in every way, from whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Wow, what a lens that Paul has learned to look at the world through. I need to learn from Paul as he as he imitates Christ I imitate him maybe you do too who's hurting you right now who's against you right now who do you disagree with who are you reacting to because of maybe what they've done to you what they've said about you maybe they're Christians and they should know better maybe they're not there's an opportunity to to live this gospel out does our lens cause us to jump to our own defense and shout even louder do we have to prove that we're right and they're wrong Maybe other churches that that have done something to you or said something over you. The anger, the resentment. Maybe when you think of that person, do you want to see their downfall? Doing all you can to prove them wrong. Telling as many people as possible they're wrong and I'm right. Paul's response. What does it matter so long as Christ is proclaimed? Paul is making it so clear. He's going to be known for what he's for, not what he's against. Church, I've said this over the years that I've been leading this church, uh, and while I am leading this church, the focus will be on what we're for, not what we're against. Yeah, we're going to stand for Christ, to live, love and look like Jesus, not becoming the all-powerful voice of vengeance, become judge, jury and executioner on those who have wronged us or that we think are wrong, but we're going to get busy about talking about Jesus, about making sure he is proclaimed. Life is too short for me to be distracted by anything else. We're going to talk about Jesus. And some weeks you might say, we need to speak about something else. Give me something for life. something that's... We're going to talk about Jesus because he is the one that needs to be proclaimed his story and our part in that story. how we get to extend that story what does it matter so long as christ is seen christ is heard his story is being known in greater measure this week as we face all kinds of attacks things that disrupt us disrupt our wants and our needs people and things that come against us will the lens of the gospel be the way that we see the world will we be able to stand at the end of the week this week and say what does it matter christ has been seen Paul refuses to become a companion to criticism in the midst of his prison cell. He says, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I continue to rejoice. He's in prison. Knowing those who are free are spreading all kinds of things about him. But for him, it's about Jesus, who he is and what he's done. That's being shared. And that lens brings a joy when actually in reality, for many of us, the experience would be depression and loss and anxiety. Actually, he says, in this I rejoice and continue to rejoice. I pray for us this week, each one of us, with the help of the Spirit, that we would learn to live life through the lens of the gospel. And regardless of our circumstances, we would experience a deep down joy. The Father, as we come and sing and declare who you are, help that, those words, not just to be words from our lips, but to be the reality of our heart. The lens by which we look, not just the songs that we sing, but the life that we live is one where God, is about you. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you have done. Let me not lose sight of that this week. Help us by your spirit to shape us, to live, love and look like you. Even in the hard press of, of what we go through, know that you're working that nothing can stop you conforming us no situation or circumstance can stop it help us to see that your story is being proclaimed and to have faith in who you are no matter what is going on around us let us see your gospel see your story see who you are and what you have done advancing gaining ground for your glory amen
0: Whatever side is
1: So what's going to be the focus of your attention and my attention this week? Which uh, lens are we going to look through? And I think that song beautifully just calls us to, for Jesus to be the focus of our attention. Why is it that Paul could live the kind of life that he, that John has just uh, unpacked for us this morning? Well, I think his, his eyes were fixed upon Jesus, who was the author and perfecter of his faith. And, and so to this week, today, um, let us be that kind of people secure in jesus and focus on jesus and give our all for jesus as the one who gave his all for us and may you go in the power and the presence of king jesus in being filled of the spirit of god to live out the kind of life that you've been invited to live so the environments in which you live that you live and operate and work in may 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 be different because of your presence not because circumstances dictate it but because of your life in christ determines your outlook and so may uh, may you know his peace and presence this week in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us and please do uh, remember to register for the prayer event this evening. It'd be great just for you you and I to be able to connect on that together. So God bless, have a, a great week.